Are you ready to take your mindset to an even higher level on and off the mat? Then you're ready for the BJJ Mental Coach Podcast, where business owners and aspiring entrepreneurs open their minds to new ideas and concepts that will help you during your entrepreneurial journey and during your consistent pursuit of becoming the best version of yourself personally and professionally. It's time to go beyond the mat with the host of the BJJ Mental Coach Podcast, Gustavo Dantas. Welcome to episode 78. I'm your host, Gustavo Dantas, and today I interview Jiu-Jitsu Black Belts and Police Officers Ari Nazan and Jason Rapsch. Ari and Jason are the co-founders of Invictus Leo Jiu-Jitsu Collective. Invictus' vision is to help police officers and police departments worldwide adopt Jiu-Jitsu in their defensive training tactics and in turn get more officers practicing Jiu-Jitsu. The podcast is dedicated to entrepreneurs, business owners, and high performers. However, often I also introduce you to guests who are the founders of nonprofit organizations and movement leaders intending to help them to spread their message. They talk about the passion behind this movement and how entrepreneurs must be passionate about their projects. Stick around for my final thoughts after the interview when I expand on the title of this episode, BJJ and Law Enforcement Officers. Stay tuned right after Jiu-Jitsu Tribe's message. Oos. The BJJ Mental Coach Podcast is a proud supporter of the nonprofit organization Jiu-Jitsu Tribe, formerly Live Jiu-Jitsu. Jiu-Jitsu Tribe supports social projects who offer free Jiu-Jitsu classes to unprivileged children and young adults in impoverished communities, inspiring, impacting, and improving their lives, keeping them away from drugs and crime, creating hope, and creating champions on and off the mats. Your donation helps projects to pay for their monthly expenses and facility makeovers. As a supporter, the BJJ Mental Coach donate all the profit of all online courses and merchandise to Jiu-Jitsu Tribe. For more information, please visit www.jujitsutribe.org. Let me introduce you to today's guests, Ari Nazan and Jason Rapsch. Ari is a black belt under Keith Owen, and Jason is a black belt under Brian Marvin. Ari is the co-owner of Fierce Studio as well their head instructor. He is also a police officer within the greater Victoria area. Jason is also a police officer and the creator of BJJ Cop, whose goal is to encourage police officers to begin training jiu-jitsu. Together, Ari and Jason created the Invictus Leo Jiu-Jitsu Collective. Invictus' vision is to help police officers and police departments worldwide adopt jiu-jitsu into their defensive training tactics and in turn get more officers practicing jiu-jitsu. Ari and Jason, welcome to the podcast. Thank you, Gustavo. Thanks for having us, man. Yeah, so this is the second time that I'm interviewing two people at the same time. And, and so let's start with Ari. How did Jiu-Jitsu show up in your life? Jiu-Jitsu showed up in my life. Uh, kind of a weird story. Uh, I was nine years old, and I was in Las Vegas at the time. And I was visiting uh, just vacation with my parents. And I saw Chuck Norris in one of the lobbies of the hotel. And I tugged on my dad's arm. I said, Dad, that's Chuck Norris. And we walked over there and I looked at him and I was nine years old at the time. So this is 1983. And he looked at me and he goes, what's your name? I said, oh, my name's Ari. And he said, uh, do you do the martial arts? I said, no, sir, I don't. And he says, well, when you start, don't ever stop. So the next year I started uh, doing kids kind of judo. And then I kind of did martial arts uh, throughout my teens. And then I kind of got it serious into jujitsu uh, in my mid twenties. And it started with Japanese jujitsu. And 
after I kind of did that, I realized uh, I was a black belt at the time and I had this little small Asian kid come into my school and I didn't know Brazilian jiu-jitsu. And I said, do you have any experience? And he said, well, I have a little bit. And so we kind of did some sparring and Japanese jiu-jitsu has some groundwork and some grappling, but it is not the same as uh, BJJ, of course. And in about 10 seconds, he armbarred me. And I was like, hmm, okay, I have a huge gap in my, my martial art uh, arsenal and toolbox. So uh, I kind of started from there and <clears throat> I sought out uh, Eddie Bravo and I started training no gi under Eddie Bravo for quite a while. And then I fell in love with the gi and I found uh, Keith Owen and became a student of his as a white belt and went all the way to black belt and I'm still under him. What about you, Jason? Uh, so I became a police officer and a few years into it, I realized, uh, I don't know, I, I need, I need to learn something to help me with, uh, being a police officer with the physical aspect of it. Uh, and I talked to my brother about, my brother was a lifelong traditional martial artist, uh, like Taekwondo and Kimpo and some other stuff that I don't, I don't know, but, uh, we talked about it and he's the one that suggested, you know, you should try jujitsu. It's kind of tailor made towards what police officers do. And uh, I was like, okay, so I, you know, I was living in Houston at the time, just like I am now. And so I started just researching schools and I found one. There wasn't a lot back then. There was maybe three or four around Houston that were known. And uh, I went and tried it out. And I was like, I guess a lot of people the first time that, you know, it's kind of like, wow, this is really awesome. And I uh, just, I've stuck with it ever since. And that was about 12 years ago. And uh, my jujitsu journey is kind of, I traveled from, I started at a school card called the uh, Elite Mixed Martial Arts. Uh, I was there for about maybe three years. And then I went to Gracie Baja. And then from Gracie Baja, uh, I was still at Gracie Baja when I went under Brian Marvin. And then about a year and a half ago, we switched over to Henzo Gracie. So that's where I've been. Right on. So now, Ari, how do you feel jujitsu relate to life? Mm-hmm. <laughs> Uh, well, here's, here's the cliche answer to that. So uh, I always tell my students that jujitsu is kind of, we, we all come to it for different reasons. We do it for self-defense or maybe we're doing it for competition or maybe we're trying to meet new people. Uh, but the one thing that we all have in common at the end of the day is jujitsu is fun. And if it wasn't fun, you wouldn't put yourself through it day in and day out, years and years. I mean, obviously we have these, these times which it's brutal and we're injured and achy and stuff like that. But um, jujitsu for me is just, it's fun. It, it, makes, it makes life easier to handle. And again, another cliche thing is when you battle people and they're trying to crush you and you're on top of you and you deal with stuff out there in the, in the real world, it really doesn't get to you the same way, uh, especially as police officers. Uh, you have people yelling in your face and stuff. And it's like, you know, I had a harder match last night on the mat than I'm dealing with this guy right now in my face. So it just, you, you just kind of brush it off. So that, that's it, what it is for me. What do you think, Jason? Uh, yeah, I kind of, it's funny. I think jujitsu offers uh, how it relates to life is, is kind of a similar uh, viewpoint that Ari has. You're dealing with, you come into a, a gym and like even last night, I was rolling with a guy twice my size, twice my strength, uh, and half my age. And uh, of course, that's always a fun thing as you get older, especially as a black belt, because they, they look at you as a chance to test themselves a little bit, but you learn just how to stay calm and deal with the situation and, and, uh, advance through it. And what's funny is, so yeah, it, it does relates when you're in life, when I'm dealing with anybody else on a personal level, 
I, I rarely feel intimidated by anybody anymore just because I deal with people on a mat, say Brian Marvin or Ari or someone like that, who's, you know, can kill me with their hands easily. Well, maybe not as easily for Ari, but I mean, he can still kill me with his hands. And uh, so somebody else or whatever I'm dealing with on, the, on, on a regular level, it's just not the same stress level. It just, it's, it's just not, it's like everything else in life gets, all the noise gets turned down, so to speak. And, you know, it just, it's much quieter and easier to deal with. Nice. And for, for all the listeners who are listening for the first time in a podcast, usually we interview entrepreneurs, business owners, uh, nonprofit organizations, movement leaders. That's why we're interviewing uh, you too. And I want to ask, when was the spark? And you can start with you, Jason. When was the spark to start Invictus? Mm-hmm. Um, man, that's, that's a, it's, it's a good question. So there's a group of of us that were kind of, so if you take the subsect in society of police officers, and then you make a subsect inside those police officers of people who do jujitsu, and let's break it down even further, people, police officers who have been doing jujitsu for several years, it's a very small group of people. Well, through social media, several of us started connecting. I ended up connecting with Ari, uh, kind of just through, just through following each other. Uh, and we started connecting with some other guys on Facebook and we ended up st- starting a little bit of a little Facebook. I think it was a chat group, if I remember correct, and uh, involved a few guys. And um, we just started talking about how officers should be training. And there were several guys uh, out there that were putting out videos and trying to encourage officers and show officers why they should be training jujitsu, you know, to make their, make their job easier and safer. And uh, Ari was talking about coming down to Houston and, we, you know, him and I were talking, it was just like, Hey, we should do something since you're coming down. This is kind of an opportunity to do something. And, uh, we just kind of came up with the idea of, of having like a little seminar and it was like going to be a little seminar at first. And then it kind of turned into, well, everybody seemed very excited about it. The chat group, of course it was growing and a lot more officers were getting into it. And so we just kind of asked, does anybody want a like a big seminar? And everybody was just, yes, do something. This would be great. Like all these police officers, like, please do something. So it ended up growing into uh, our first seminar. We had six instructors. Um, it was you, it was Ari, me, Keith Elwin. Um, uh, I'm forgetting Chad. names. Chad, uh, Lyman out of Vegas. And then we had, uh, I'm forgetting names. Ari. Uh, Ismail, Izzy. Is, Izzy out of, uh, out of uh, California. And Travis Joyner. And Travis out of Austin who are incredible. All these guys are incredible in their own right in jujitsu, incredible knowledge. And, uh, they can't, they're all law enforcement related, by the way, too. If they're not active police officers, they're formerly active police officers. And, uh, yeah, we ended up having like almost a hundred people on the mat, if not more, uh, that showed up to train and they were almost, gosh, I would say 80 to 90%. There's probably 90% of them were police officers. Uh, it was incredible. And they're from all over the country. So it just kind of sparked and what was originally probably just going to be like a one-time thing turned into, Hey, this is something that uh, people want on a regular basis. We had so many people hit us up about, man, can you do that here where we're at? So I can be at it and make it easier. And it it just, it kind of, uh, it turned into this thing that we can use to promote, you know, the message of getting officers to train, raise some money for a good cause and uh, meet up with police officers who are already training. I mean, I guess that's the long and the short of it. Uh, I'm sure I missed a bunch of stuff in there. But what year? What year was that? Last year. 
last year, so it's it's a fairly new. We started, uh, I think it was February of last year, and then the first seminar was in uh, June uh, in Houston, and then uh, we did Vegas in September. So it was it yeah. was awesome, and and we're gaining we're gaining uh, momentum too because we have four events uh, planned for this coming year. So mm-hmm. it's uh, it's great. I, I I tell you a neat little side thing that's happened is. Um, and I didn't expect this either is here in Texas, I've been contacted by some different areas like, Hey, can you come out and do an event for police officers here using the Invictus name, uh, teach, do kind of a mini seminar so we can raise some money for local officers who've been hurt. Uh, we did one in McAllen, Texas, uh, Jeffro Molinax from the Austin area, well, clean area, well, Austin area. He came down with me. Uh, he teaches with sheepdogs incorporated. He came down with me uh, and we taught a mini seminar down there. We raised a thousand dollars for a local officer's family who had been uh, killed in the line of duty in August uh, or July. Uh, we're going up to Midland, uh, Texas here next month to do another benefit seminar. Uh, just a local thing. They had, I don't know if you, if you got anybody remembers, they had a big shootout there on I-20, like yes. eight people murdered, three officers shot up, but we're doing a seminar just to raise money for the officers that were shot up. Um, excuse me, next month. It's like a little side thing. And, and that's just us showing up and just participating as instructors and letting the local guys raise money for their local cause. So it's, it's turned into just a kind of a neat thing where we're able to uh, pay it forward, so to speak, with jujitsu. So can you, do you have any other experiences that jujitsu actually helped you in as a, as an officer, any maybe situation a little, I don't know if uh, a uh, uh, really rough situation, but is there times that really helped you? Me or Ari? Yeah, we can go. Uh, let's say, let's go with you first, Jason. Okay. Uh, uh, yes. Um, I've had a couple situations and I can tell you that the, the way things happened with me before I knew jujitsu, cause I was a police officer for about 10 years um, before I even started training jujitsu. Uh, and I used to, I tell people back then you used to just, uh, just tackle and pray. You know, that's all you did. You waited for the cavalry to get there and you guys through whatever force you could muster and get people handcuffed. Uh, versus afterwards, uh, the difference was, you know, 180 degrees. And yeah, I've had some situations. I had a, I had a, we had a situation where a guy, we had tased him and it turned out he had been to prison for about five years before we encountered him. And uh, he knew how to, in prison, they tased people a lot. Here, I don't know about other countries here in Texas. They are here in the United States. They like to use that taser to subdue people. Uh, a uh, unintended consequence of that is that guys get really under. They have a good understanding of how the taser works, and they know how to defeat it. So this guy had been tased a lot, and he knew how to defeat it, which he did pretty quickly by swiping the probes off. So he was a big guy, real strong guy. So I ended up having to. Uh, I ended up uh, using a rear naked choke to put him to sleep. It was the only option we had. Otherwise, it would have been a pretty brutal fight. And I can tell you that was that right there by the guy I was with, my partner didn't train at the time and he saw what happened. And just after we put him to sleep, we got him cuffed. Nobody got hurt. Nobody was injured. Uh, he woke up, didn't even understand how the cuffs got on him and um, convinced him to start training. That guy's a purple belt. Now he didn't train at all back then. Now he's a purple belt. He just was like, wow, this is, this is, this is uh, you know, this is magical. I got to do this, you know? So yeah, that's that's one example for me. What about you, Ari? Well, it's the funny. The funny thing is, is when cops talk about physical altercations that they've been in, um, 
it's a weird thing when the public hears it, right? We're not trying to, we're not glorifying it. I mean, this is what happens on a daily basis. 90% uh, of our interactions, 95% of our interactions are verbal and uh, they're resolved and that type of thing. However, that 5% that isn't and it goes south on you, you've got to have different skills and abilities, of course. And as Jason pointed out, uh, too many people rely on their tool belt when you can use jujitsu. And jujitsu is a superpower. And anyone who does it knows it. And you don't have to be a police officer to know this. Um, you, you know, having that bigger, younger person coming in and you're able to subdue them, it's like, wow, this is crazy. And I didn't have to smash them in the face to do it. So it's understanding leverage and, and all that type of thing. And um, prior to policing, I was in uh, private security and nightclub uh, business for for 18 years, and then I became a police officer. I've been doing it for the last five. So I've had situations. My very first situation was uh, dealing with a knife situation, and I was able to uh, get the knife away from the person, and it, it worked out. It worked out well. Uh, handcuffed and uh, didn't have to shoot him, uh, but it was uh, it was a pretty hairy. Uh, situation for a, a, a few minutes there. So um, it was all about positioning. So so I have a few students who are police officers too. And one of the things that I, that I hear often for them, from them is saying that uh, how, uh, how many, it's kind of scary in a way that how many police officers do not know how to defend themselves properly, that they feel that they go to the police academy and that's it, we're good for life you know, with what you learn and it's not really, you know, the reality. So what do you see that some of the resistance from police officers to learn a martial art, to learn a different skill, as you mentioned, some of them are just banking on their, their belt, but man, and you never know sometimes when you can even reach that. It's just like when next thing you see, boom, you're already kind of in a, in a wrestling match with someone. What do you say, Jason? Oh, uh, why do police officers uh, resist training? Yeah. I, wow. I, you know, I've, I think Ari's had this experience. Any officer who's trained for a little while has had this experience. You talk someone into training and they show up and they may even say, wow, this is awesome. I should be doing this. And then they never come back. I, I don't know. I, I wish I had a, there's probably a lot of different answers. Some of it may be ego. Um, it's hard. A lot of officers are, are typically alpha mindset. And I think it's difficult for some officers to come in and have a 130 pound purple belt when they're say a 210 pound male, uh, control them and constantly strangle them and show them their own vulnerabilities. That may be part of it. Some of it is just, they get away with the old tackle and pray method and it works and they survive that long with it. And why waste $150 a month to go do something three nights a week? Uh, officers have families. They're working extra jobs and side jobs. Officers aren't the richest people on the planet, although pay is better than it used to be. It's still a lot of officers spend a lot of time trying to make extra money to pay for, for a house and kids in school and a wife or, or wife and a girlfriend or just a girlfriend, whatever their situation is. You know, they, they're, they're trying to make money. So I think there's a lot of, a, a lot of um, reasons. I don't think that it's an excuse. Uh, I, you know, I have been as poor as anybody when I first started training jiu-jitsu, just went through a divorce and got hit with a pretty uh, hefty little child support bill every month. But, you know, I managed to, to make it work and I managed to keep training. Uh, so anytime officers tell me they don't have time or they don't have money, I really don't buy that excuse just because 
I've been down that road. I've had a family, kids, bills, but I still make it happen because I, you know, I know how important it is. Now, Ari, what do you think about some of them? Of course, you can't generalize, but there are some police departments in the country that are resistant with the idea of training liability and so yep. forth. Do you guys run into a lot of this problem? At least you hear a lot from officers, some of the issues with some departments. Yeah, it happens in a ton of departments. Uh, there is a slight, there's a slow change happening, obviously, amongst departments of uh, adopting jujitsu. And I think the progressive and smart ones are doing it. Uh, but you will hear departments say, we don't want to train people in jujitsu because we don't want people to get hurt. But th that's just, they're ignorant of what jujitsu is. We're actually yeah. protecting the officers and we're protecting the suspects from getting hurt. Um, Jiu-Jitsu is the best control method of martial art out there. It's been proven, you know, you just have to go back until UFC one. I mean, it's all, again, we, we've seen it a ton. So uh, we run into that a lot. Jason and I just constantly are hearing that from different departments. So would you say Jason, that's the biggest struggle that you guys are going through right now as far as promoting more the program? Mm, I, I think you still have a lot of, it's changing. It is changing, and I think I've even seen, and I think Ari would agree with this, even over the last year, uh, the change that I've seen, there's been a big push uh, through law enforcement, through social media, to, to start implementing jujitsu. It's, it's being seen as something that's very effective. I think what you have is you have the old guard in law enforcement uh, that if they did defensive tactics, it was about uh, was machismo, you know, stand and box or grab and, and pound and, and, uh, that's what they know. So when you have, uh, some of some guys coming in and say, listen, there's a much more effective way to do this. Uh, but you're not going to learn it in eight hours. You're going to have to take you about four or five years to get really effective at this. And you're going to have to do it three or four times a week, but eventually you're going to be extremely good at controlling people. And it will be like a superpower they don't want to hear that because what you're doing is that maybe that that's their thing that they do in law enforcement is a defensive tactics instructor. And now you're taking that away from them. So they, because they feel threatened by it, they fight that and they don't want, they don't want someone else coming in with skills and knowledge that they don't have taking over what they view as their role in their department. I think that's part of it. And of course the old school mentality too. I, th I think it's what we're running into, but it's changing. The culture's changing. I, I already brought this up before at some of our seminars. Those guys, they're moving on, right? And we're kind of the ones that are kind of starting to come into to, to positions of influence in our departments. Uh, you're seeing it. I think it, when I was in McAllen, one of the guys that's a blue belt there was assistant chief at his department. Mm -hmm. In fact, it was his officer we were raising money for. Uh, so it's, it's happened. There's guys in the Invictus group that are chiefs or captains or, you know, they're, they're administrative level. And uh, they're, they're pushing to make changes in their departments as well. So and actually, changing. Gustavo, you had asked uh, some of the challenges that we're facing. One thing I, I want to mention is I did a, uh, a poll and I asked different officers what would prevent them from doing jujitsu. And I had a few answered uh, this particular way, which I found fascinating. They said it would take too long to get good at jujitsu for it to be useful on the job. <laughs> and it blew me away. And, you know, you could take someone and have them sit down and do jujitsu, you know, after a month, they'll know basic positioning and, and they can stay on top of someone. It, it doesn't take 20 years to master. I mean, it does, but you know what I mean? Just yeah. for basic skill set. It's crazy. Yeah. So 
This is, um, so we're talking earlier before, sorry, the interview. Again, this is a, a lot of the listeners are entrepreneurs, business owners, and how, because we, today the episode is to bring awareness to the importance of bringing jiu-jitsu to, to law enforcement. And, but at the same time, you guys are starting a movement and to bring awareness and what I asked was, man, what is a good message that you guys could give to the entrepreneurs and business owners out there that it's relevant to what you guys are doing? So what did you say, Ari? Uh, I've been involved in a lot of different entrepreneurial things over my life. Uh, it's just something that I really love doing, and I know how difficult it is to start. And we had said at the beginning of the pod podcast about passion, and you need to have passion. Uh, you need to keep with it. and. Uh, it's going to be hard. And the one thing I tell people is it took me 20 years to become an overnight success. Mm -hmm. So that's what it's like to be an entrepreneur. And you need to have support from people around you. And just, again, believe in your vision. What do you say, Jason? Uh, I, I just I second that. I think you have to have passion in what you're doing. And you got to feel passion about what you're doing. And you need to be a genuine person when you're doing it. I think that something I was talking with someone about recently is if you notice people who are not genuine and it's very obvious. And I think when you see people who are not genuine trying to do something for uh, maybe a selfish means or, or whatever, it, it just, it comes across and, and you can, and you can see it. And I think people are kind of, they're not attracted to that and they don't, they don't drift to that. And you're not, I don't think you're not going to, you're not going to be successful if you're not genuine. Uh, and you need to be passionate. And that, that'll come out. If you're passionate about something, I think R and I are both, I know we're very passionate about what we're doing. And I feel like people really respond to that because they know it's coming from a, a genuine place. And uh, that's, I think, what's kind of led to uh, all the, the support and the growth of Invictus and, and the movement that we're pushing through. Um, it's just being passionate and being genuine. And now let's talk a little bit about some personal development. Ari, what would you say is one of the one of the habits, a high performance habit that has helped you as a police officer or in your personal and professional life? Something that you practice daily? Uh, visualization. That's a huge one. Uh, use it for anything I do, either in my personal business life, in jujitsu uh, relationship. If you visualize that, there's. A, there's an old adage that says that the mind doesn't know the difference between visualization and actual practice. So that's why high, high performance sport athletes will visualize them winning and fighting. And it's the same thing. If you can, if you can visualize you reaching the goal and going through the daily process, then you're tricking the mind. You're actually training. So I tell students this all the time, Hey, I'm having trouble with an arm bar. And I said, have you visualized you doing an arm bar? And it's like, well, no, but I just come to the mat and I have trouble doing it. And I said, like, well, how about you visualize the steps and you visualize it a hundred times and your mind is practiced a hundred times during the day, not physically, but mentally. And so when you get on the mat, it's already had those reps in here, which is really important. So visualization is my number one tool that I am constantly using. What about you, Jason? Uh, I would say consistency. Uh, you be consistent in what you do, uh, be reliable, uh, understand how to grind things out. I think you asked earlier about ways jujitsu kind of translates to, to regular life. I think that's one way. The only way to get good at jujitsu, right, is to be consistent, to grind, uh, to keep showing up and to, and to keep working and learning because nothing happens right away. 
uh, I think that translates and that's, that's something that I employ in my personal life is that I try to be very consistent and just grind things out and look at things through not the short lens, but the, the long lens, look at the long haul and know that you're going to get there eventually. You just got to keep doing the right things every day and keep showing up. What would you say is the best advice you've ever received in any area? Could it be personal, professional life? I would say the best advice I ever received was don't listen to the naysayers. And I have gone through a lot of adversity in my jiu-jitsu career. Uh, I did a website years ago called Submissions 101. And it, awesome website, by the way. It, uh, it, it got a lot of flack from people online. And uh, you know, I was like, well, how am I going to navigate this? And so I talked to several people and they're like, you know, if you listen to the naysayers then you're going to shut it down and you're going to quit. And I got a lot of positive reinforcement for some great people. Um, you know, my instructors, Keith Owen and Steve Hisko, who's my Japanese jiu-jitsu instructor. Uh, I even talked to Master Pedro Sauer about it and he was amazing. So it's, uh, don't listen to the naysayers because there's going to be so many people are going to like, you can't do it. Your podcast sucks. Uh, your jiu-jitsu sucks. Like they, they're, they're doing this all the time. And I don't surround myself with those people. Um, frankly, they suck and I, I don't need it in my life. So I surround myself with uh, what I like to refer to as winners and people who are not willing to give up. And that's where I draw my energy from. So that's probably mine. What about you, Jason? Um, and I, you know, I've received such good advice over the years. I think recently is, uh, know when to let something go and to move forward. I think sometimes we'll, we're working on something and we'll, and we'll cling to it too long. And I think that in jujitsu, sometimes that's affected, you know, that's, that happens, uh, you know, say you're a 250 pound, six, four guy, and you just want to be Rambolo people so bad. Well, maybe it's not your move. Maybe you should let it go. Or God, you're smashing past and choking people out with your size. But uh, I think in life too, sometimes we get hung up on something. Uh, you have to learn how to let things go and to move forward sometimes. Um, and I, I think that's helped me out quite a bit. Good. So now um, for you, Jason, what advice would you give to your younger version? Not that you want anything different in your life, but I'm saying when you became a police officer, you know, if you go back there, could give yourself a little advice to maybe do something different. What would you say? Start jujitsu now. <laughs> uh, that would be one for sure. Uh it would be to, again, follow my passion. I've made some decisions as a young police officer based on uh, trying to make other people happy. Uh, and I think that's another thing I would uh, advise. I'd give, don't try to make other people happy. Work, work on what makes you happy and what, what makes you feel fulfilled. Don't try to please other people. Uh, but I think I would go back to that earlier, Jason, and say, don't worry about trying to make other people happy. Find what what makes you feel uh, fulfilled and follow it. Cause I definitely made some position, decisions in my law enforcement career early that although I've, I think I've overcome them and I'm in a really good place now, they kind of held me back a little bit from maybe potential that I could have uh, realized earlier in my career. I think. What about you, Ari? What would I tell an earlier version of myself uh, in regards to policing? Yeah. Let's say when uh, you, as soon as you became police officer and I'll maybe go back and just give them a little advice to you, what did you say? Uh, don't change anything. Uh, you got to remember that I started policing when I was 39, 40. I'm 45 now. So I started late in my, in my 
uh, policing career. So uh, Jason, I mean, he's the old man and, and veteran when it comes to the whole policing stuff. So I'm, I'm still a rookie. I always consider myself a rookie, but um, I really, I would just encourage my, my younger self to stick with it. That's what I would do. And uh, I was, I'm just very happy that I found policing. I've always been passionate for it and I wanted to do it since I was a teenager, but I had these, this little voice in my head and other things come up and I said, Oh, I, I, I this excuse, that excuse. But uh, I became a police officer after my father died because just before he died, he told me, he said, uh, Ari, you don't want to be 80 year, years old and regret not doing something. And then he passed away suddenly. And then that always resonated with me. And I'm like, you know what? We have one life. You've got to go forward. And so at 3940, I, I jumped in and I did it. And uh, it was a great process. And I'm, I'm happy I did it. Yeah, it's a powerful message, man. This for all the listeners. This is something that we talk about very often. You know, that's, yeah, the last thing you want is just to be, I wish I've done this or should have done this. And especially as an entrepreneur, there's so many people who are doing stuff that they just don't want to be doing right now. They wish they're doing something else. But again, it's just kind of letting the the voice, I like to say the the dark passenger for people who like Dexter, uh, know what I'm talking about. <laughs> uh, that voice that brings all the insecurities, the doubts, and you know, like, should I do it or should I not? And next thing, time is just passing by, passing by. So I think for a lot of entrepreneurs, because we do have a lot of people who are in transition, they're in the process of starting or at least thinking about it. So this is a great message to take in consideration that, yeah, man, uh, one life. So let's make sure that you pursue whatever you're passionate about and, and you want to do it. Now, um, Ari, what did you say a book that you could recommend? Maybe a book that has made an impact on you at some point and why? I guess for me, uh, books which I, I've I've, I'm currently reading two books right now that uh, are, are pretty good. So one of them is uh, Dave Grossman on combat. And uh, a lot of people consider this book really, really super dry. But I'm into that kind of information stuff about how the psychology of what happens to a warrior uh, in combat after shootings, after violent confrontation, how to deal with things. So that's a, that's a book that I'm going through right now, which I really like. Uh, and it, it's, uh, it kind of speaks to me. And the other one that I'm going through right now is uh, Neil Gaiman's uh, American Gods. And uh, I'm into uh, mythology and geek culture and 80s stuff and also Viking stuff. So that, that's really good, too. So it, it's good to have a, a combination, I think, of downtime, fantasy, and also having to some realism and kind of increasing your knowledge base with uh, some good material out there because there's a ton of it. For sure. Uh, one of the uh, tips that I heard uh, Tim Ferriss talking about before is that he'll never read any like like personal development or things that could really like uh, spark his you know his brain to to activate you know at night right before I go to bed because see that would keep me up. So I need to go more like a fiction or something like that that really don't get my brain going as much. So, so that's a really good point because uh, that was an issue that I had. And after I heard that, I was like, man, that makes a lot of sense. So I started to pay more attention what I was consuming late at night, maybe at 10 or something, because next thing my brain's spinning, next thing's two in the morning. And I'm like, man. So I started to be a lot more mindful of what I'm definitely consuming at night. 
The funny thing is though, it's you kind of, I wrestle with this because they talk about how, how important sleep is for entrepreneurs and you know, you should be getting sleep and this whole aspect of like only operating on four hours sleep and rah, rah, rah. Uh, sleep is super important. And I think it's, uh, we don't get enough of it. And it's under uh, underrated, I guess. Um, however, I saw some awesome quotes from The Rock, D uh, Dwayne Johnson, and he's got some amazing stuff. And that man is a powerhouse. He is going, going, going. And I've had months and years like that where I just kept going and that's how you get stuff done sometimes you have yeah. to because there's there's no one else to do it so they don't realize how much work goes into projects like the Invictus project um, and, and Jason and I are not looking for praise we're just letting people know that it, it's not just throwing a meme up on the internet and we're just like oh it's going to go from here there's organization and things that people do not see and it's the same thing when you're running a business like a jiu-jitsu school they just come in and they use your mats it's nice and clean. They appreciate you as the professor, and then they leave. They don't realize the bills, the aggravation, the 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 everything, right? So, it's the tip of the iceberg uh, when it comes to entrepreneurial uh, pursuits. Yeah, and I felt that over the years, I, I for many years, I struggled with that my workaholic pattern that of just putting way too many hours. But probably about I'd say maybe four years ago, I started to four or five years, so I got involved with high-performance coaching, and that really helped me to open up my mind about sleep, you know, because before the same thing, just kind of like that grind the next thing, I'm kind of like dragging in the next day anyway, and I'm doing stuff, but I'm dragging, so I'm so much more aware of what time I need to shut things off and, and get ready to, because I know sometimes it takes a little bit to fall asleep, so I I improved so much and that helped me. That helped me with my energy throughout the day, uh, throughout the day, how I, I wake up. So there's something that definitely helped me. Jason, what about you? Any books that kind of stand out for you? Well, what's funny is uh, <laughs> I, uh, Colonel Grossman on killing was the, one of the books I was going to mention. Uh, Colonel Grossman, I think for law enforcement or anybody in that kind of field, he has a, a great, he's done a great deal of research and a great, he has a great deal of insight into uh, military and law enforcement and dealing with physical combat, dealing with situations that we deal with uh, on the street level in, in, in law enforcement, um, which I, I just think it's absolute fantastic reading and uh, can be very helpful, especially for anybody who's dealing with PTSD or gets into a shooting. Uh, he talks a lot about how to, how to, how to, uh, deal with that situation and, and whatnot. Uh, also another one, I'm, I'm a big history buff, uh, Flags of Our Fathers. Uh, they made a movie about the book and it was a terrible movie. It didn't touch on anything the book touched What's on. What's the name again? The Flags of Our Fathers. Mm. Uh, it's, it's, gone, it's about Iwo Jima, uh, World War II. And so anything, I, I think it kind of goes back to, to America's greatest generation, showing what they sacrificed and what they went through during World War II. I, 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 I hate to sound like the old guy in the room, but the, the kids nowadays, just they have no contact. Like my grandfather was in World War II and a lot of my age, my generation, we had contact, we had stories, we had, we knew about what happened, you know, in, in that generation. Um, kids nowadays, they're, that's their great grandparents. And most of them never had contact with them. And they have no idea the sacrifice that was made by not just our country, but Western civilization and fighting that war and 
so anything like a history like that to kind of show where we've come from, I'm, I'm big on. But that's definitely a big book. I remember reading it. I was actually at an extra job reading it in a bank, and I would start to because those stories are powerful. I'd start to almost cry. I, well, I would. I'd start to cry. I have to put the book down. I was like, I can't let people see me cry reading this book. But uh, it's a real powerful book. Cool. So we're getting close to the end of the interview. For people who are listening for the first time, usually after the interview, I put a content together. Uh, I do what it's called the final thoughts. It's just my takeaway from the interview. And then I reflect and um, it may vary from five to 12 minutes. So make sure you stick around after that. So now let's hear just what are you guys currently excited about? What's going on? I know you have about four events coming up. We're recording this in the end of, uh, the end of October, 2019. So Ari, uh, you first. Uh, well, Jason and I, we've uh, organized a couple of events for 2020. The two that we have just released is we have one in uh, Burien, Washington, just south of Seattle, which is happening April 18th, and it's going to be at the police college there. Uh, so that'll be an Invictus event. We'll have uh, four instructors teaching at that one. And then in June, we have one in Chesapeake, Virginia, which we're really excited for. And again, uh, four more instructors, Jason, will be teaching at that one. Uh, that's happening. And then we have two others that we're working on that are pretty big, but uh, we're just working out the logistics, of course. So those are the events that are that are coming. And uh, I just want to tell people too, that as you get older, the one thing that you should be doing, uh, and you learn from the mistakes of others, and that's how I've kind of avoided some things, but we do this in jujitsu, but it's, we train smarter, not harder. So that's a big takeaway for me. I wish I could tell my younger jujitsu self that because we all now have injuries because of uh, us being dumb. But but now I'm just I'm training smarter, not harder, and I'm trying to do that with Invictus and organizing and getting good people like Jason um, and, and good partners. So, so what about you, Jason? What do you got to say about some of the exciting things that are coming up for Invictus? Well, I'm super, I'm super excited about our year. Um, I, we can't really talk about the two events. I mean, we, he already talked about Seattle and, uh, and um, Virginia, which I'm very excited about. Uh, can't talk about the other two yet because, like I said, there's a lot of stuff to work out with those. But those are going to be big events and very excited about those. Uh, we also have some other stuff coming up. We, you know, we're, we're making a, we're, we made contact with an apparel company or they made contact with us and we're working stuff out with them or a gi-making company manufacturer. So I'm very excited about that. And when, we, when we're able to announce about that, we will. Um, it's going to be a big year. Um, I just, I'm excited to keep bringing the message. I'm excited to keep seeing changes in departments. Um, I, I really feel like, and I, I, I don't think it's us. I think we just kind of came in on this wave. Uh, we were just kind of at the beginning of the wave. But I, I think there's just a big movement, and it, it goes with the growth of jujitsu in general. Uh, it's naturally coming into police officers who are training and, and training consistently. There's there's this big wave coming in law enforcement where jujitsu is really going to, I think, take over defensive tactics programs over the next few years, and it's going to become a, a normal, accepted part. I just came from a, a trainers conference in Corpus Christi. Like I actually I just drove back today, and the, one of the heads of uh, our state uh, training, our state uh, licensing. Uh, division for lack of a better term actually asked me and I something I hadn't talked to Ari yet about yet so hey you guys should bring instead of being here in the conference you should bring a booth and start talking about what you guys are doing because uh, they have vendors and stuff there there's a lot of decision makers here and I think that they need to hear what you have guys have to say and uh, 
So I, that shows to me that it, and she's at the, at the upper level of, of our state organization. That shows to me that our message is really getting out, that the message in general is getting out. And uh, yeah, I'm just excited about all the change that's, uh, that's coming. Beautiful. Now, how can people know more about it as far as websites or Facebook group or what you got? So if they go to uh, Invictus Leo, uh, L-E-O.com, that's our website. And we have Instagram accounts and a Facebook uh, page as well. All they have to do is just type in Invictus Leo uh, on both of those platforms and uh, our uh, social media groups will come up. We're constantly posting things on there. We have uh, videos, tutorial videos, and um, that's, that's how we get our main message out uh, via our social media. And uh, our website's always updated. We have... Uh, our basically information, everything about us, where the money goes to. Uh, we're not making money. This is not a personal venture for us. This is money going to families of fallen officers, which we're really passionate about. And we're using jujitsu as the vehicle to do that. So when we were at the Houston event, Jason, we, what, we it was like $4,000 we raised? We, uh, it was over $4,200 we raised. And yeah. we donated that to the 100 Club of Houston, which all that money, and it went, that money is specifically dedicated to the survivors of officers who have died in the line of duty. So that's kind of the, I think that's kind of where we've decided. And I think we all agree. I, that's where we decided that's the best place for, for these donations to go for the, for the proceeds to go to is, is those, cause those are people that I know. I, and I preached this cause I was taught, I was telling my, my Academy about the seminar coming up in Midland, November 11th, about the officers that were shot up. And I was like, you know, in the news, People see officers shot and killed or officer hurt. Now, my favorite one is, hey, officer shot. Uh, he's with a minor wound. He's in the hospital. It's going to be released. Well, I don't know if you know anybody who's ever been shot before, but I've known a few people. And there's no such thing as a minor gunshot wound. It's a life-altering, uh, no matter what kind of gunshot wound it is. Most of these officers never return back to the line of duty. They usually stop working. Uh, for many, usually because of physical reasons, sometimes just be PTSD of it. Uh, and they lose their insurance, they lose uh, their main source of income, and they've got to completely alter their life when something happened to them while they were serving their communities. Um, and then if they died, that family's left with a huge void. Most officers are the bread maker, or at least they're the 50% of the bread maker in their family. So that's bills that are not going to get paid anymore. That's children that you know, are losing their father and not going to get hugs and not going to get that. They're going to have a huge void in their life now because their father was, was murdered, uh, serving his community. Um, I, I just, I, I, to me, and I know Arif was the same way. It's like, if, if we can put money to anything, that's for us, like the, the, the biggest thing, something I heard real quick, uh, a, a friend of mine got a promote to black belt about a month ago. And something he said that resonated with me so much and I, and I, and it resonated with me because I, we were doing it and I didn't even realize we were doing it, Ari. It was like, use your jujitsu to do something good. And man, I just, I feel like, man, if you can use jujitsu to do something good, then I mean, that's, I, you can't be much more happier than that. At least not for me. I, I just makes me happy to, to think that we're promoting something good and we're doing good with, with all this, all this butt kickings we've taken on the mat. For sure. And I think this is great, man. It's a incredible approach to have police officers teaching the seminars because I I have a I have taught some 
some seminars to like 10 people police apartment. But I always, anytime I got involved with this, I always bring one of my uh, students who is a police officer. Good friend of mine, Mike Lynn, he's in a SWAT team in Phoenix. And I bring them because I don't know what is to fight for my life, you know, because every time, if you guys get in a scrap, you guys literally fighting for your life because you don't know what's going to happen. Someone does not want to go back to prison. They, they are willing to do whatever it's try to take your gun, try to do whatever. And that's a different mindset. And of course I can, I can help and teach and everything, but I think having someone that lives that, I think it's super important. And I believe that the movement is going to keep growing for sure. This is just the beginning. It's exciting that, you know, it's not even, it's barely two years old and it's already getting good momentum. So it's going to keep growing. You guys keep doing what you're doing. Uh, little by little, you'll be reaching a lot more people. And it definitely, you guys doing something great for the, not just for the jiu-jitsu community, but like for communities in general, for keeping people safe. And little by little, if you look into like, probably you want to stop to think about it like in 10 years from now, man, it's going to be completely different completely different and i feel that you guys definitely uh, are being a group of like selective people who are helping this to make happen to have more law enforcement people involved with jiu-jitsu so major props man congratulations to you too so um yeah any final thoughts anything uh jason any uh, no i first of all thank you so much for having us on your podcast uh it's a huge honor and, um, you know, kind of like what I said, I think use your jujitsu to do good. I think that's, that's the best thing I've heard in a long time. And, uh, I hope everybody kind of takes that to heart and tries to do the same in some form or fashion, whatever, whatever, you know, is passionate for them. Mm. Yes, sir. What about you, Ari? Uh, I would echo that. I would just say, you know, um, support our events if you can. It, they're open to anyone. They're not just open to police officers or first responders. They're open to everyone who supports the cause. And so uh, jujitsu brings us together, whether we're law enforcement or people, doesn't matter. And so we're hopefully show up in your, your town and yeah, come do some great jujitsu. And the one thing about our events is it's not just law enforcement jujitsu. We have sport jujitsu and, and we're doing things that would just, you know, uh, fun stuff as well. So we mix it up. And that's why I think it's just important uh, uh, to show up and have some fun with us. Yes, sir. Thank you so much, guys. Really appreciate your time. And for all the listeners, stick around for my final thoughts. Who's Let me share with you my final thoughts from the interview with jiu-jitsu black belts and police officers Ari Nazan and Jason Rapsch. If you're listening just to the final thoughts on Instagram TV at Gustavo Dantas BJJ, Ari and Jason are the co-founders of Invictus Leo Jiu-Jitsu Collective. Invictus' vision is to help police officers and police departments worldwide adopt jiu-jitsu into their defensive training tactics and in turn get more officers practicing jiu-jitsu. The podcast is dedicated to entrepreneurs, business owners, and high performers. However, often I also introduce you to guests who are the founders of nonprofit organizations and movement leaders, intending to help them to spread their message. During these final thoughts, there's not much extra I can say about this topic, and the best thing is for you to listen to the whole interview. I researched online to find more articles about police officers training jiu-jitsu, and it's straight to the point. 
all officers would benefit from learning jiu-jitsu. In an article featured on the Jiu-Jitsu Times website, they interview Chris Bumgarner about BJJ for police officers. Chris is a BJJ black belt under the Pedro Sauer Jiu-Jitsu Association and a 15-year law enforcement veteran. He said, quote, For me, Jiu-Jitsu has not only tactical and physical benefits, but mental and emotional ones as well. Tactically, BJJ is the perfect art for a police officer. It teaches you how to take down and control a person while giving you options to escalate or de-escalate force as needed. Physically, it's some of the best fitness training you can put yourself through for this job. There's nothing quite as exhausting as grappling with someone bigger and stronger than you. On the mental and emotional aspect, I have found that jiu-jitsu gives you a sense of confidence that can help you to deter or de-escalate some situations. BJJ for me, like for many people, is also that place where I can come and decompress from life and my job. The added benefit is that my hobby also reinforces my on-the-job survival skills, unquote. During the interview, I mentioned that I had taught seminars for police departments before, and I like to bring an experienced student who is also a police officer. How many times have you heard of the saying, Jiu-Jitsu saved my life? Or possibly you've used this saying yourself before. Now, how many times, literally, has Jiu-Jitsu saved your life? Well, I believe the police officers can say that multiple times if they ever use Jiu-Jitsu in a real situation because when they are deterring or de-escalating a situation, they are literally fighting for their lives. If someone does not want to go back to prison for whatever reason, they will be willing to do anything stupid, including taking someone's life away. I've been in hundreds of competition matches, but I've never fought for my life like that before. That is why I like to take a police officer with me to the seminar who believes in jiu-jitsu, who can vouch for the techniques sharing real experiences before. If you're a police officer, give jiu-jitsu a try, or if you know someone or have a friend who's a police officer, introduce them to the website www.invictusleo.com so they can learn more about the movement, hashtag BJJ make it mandatory. Os. We're glad you were able to join us for this episode of the BJJ Mental Coach Podcast. But the lesson doesn't end here. Watch the videos and download the audio of the 10 mental mistakes BJJ competitors make and how to avoid them for free when you subscribe to the BJJMentalCoach.com. Don't miss the chance to find out what might be holding you back from being your best self on and off the mat. That's the BJJMentalCoach.com.